Barbara's like, what are you going to share? I was like, you know, I've been grinding on this all week, and, and um, uh, I haven't taught on the promises or yes and amen. I do it like once a year um, because it's all marriage covenant promises, and people don't understand this. Is I, everything I hear, even the, traveling around this week, and uh, you know, people, I, I can tell they're still in this legalistic thing, like I must perform for God to do something good for me. And it's just not true. It's not true at all. He loves you perfectly, and he gives unconditionally. That's why the promises are so good. So I just want to go through this. Uh, we, we can hit that next slide real quick, but here's what I want you to understand is, is um, oh, in fact, you know what? Let me read this real quick. You can go to the first slide, though, Journey, if you want. <clears throat> I'll share something with you. Because I, I was just messing around, um, you know, thinking about what the new covenant is, the old covenant, what all these different things are. And, and uh, at least for me, I didn't even know there was a difference, even though my Bible says there's an old one and a new one. I just blended them all together for the longest time. But uh, Scripture clearly says, hey, get rid of the old one. It's fading away. It's going to be gone. And if you read Hebrews, it says, hey, it's clearly leaving. And uh, uh, it was always a 40-year period of time. That's where the 40 always comes from. So there's this, this overlap between the old covenant. Jesus prophesied, hey, all this thing's going to come to an end in this generation. And then literally 40 years later in AD 70, the legal system was completely destroyed. And uh, anyway, so I just, uh, some of you guys know um, Paul Ellis, Escape to Reality. You guys know his website? He's got some great books, but uh, I was just messing around. I thought this was really good. It said, you know, what is the, the benefit of the new covenant? It says, his first paragraph is this. In Christ, we participate in all the blessings of God promised to Abraham. In the bless, in the, we participate in all the blessings of God promised to Abraham. Galatians 3, 14 and 29. We also get all the blessings promised under the law covenant and none of the curses. Galatians 3, 13. That is amazing if you think about it. Because you go look at the, the promises to Abraham. What did he promise Abraham? Almost everything. He, he said, to Abraham and his descendants, God promised greatness, fruitfulness, great reward, world-reaching blessing, and much more. To those who kept the law, uh, to those who kept the law, God promised long life, fruitfulness, abundant prosperity, protection, and more. And they're yes. So uh, I'm really just trying to get you, if you're going to meditate on anything, you know, um, it's not how much scripture you know. Because I see a lot of people that can quote the Bible way better than me and, and all this kind of stuff. But I don't see a lot of fruit in their lives. Because it's not the amount of scripture you know. The, the people who knew the scriptures the most, Jesus actually said, you know what, you're, you're in that book day and night, but you can't find life because you don't know what testifies about me. So it's how much light do you have, not how much scripture do you know or how long you pray or anything like that. I, I, so, you know, and hey, if you're a prayer warrior, praise God, I just go to sleep. Um, because he says, I, I, give the, I give to the beloved in my sleep. And I'm just like, it just looks tiring to me. And uh, the promise is yes to me. It doesn't matter how long I pray or read the Bible or anything else. It's yes to me. Does that, does that make sense to you guys? Now, some of you guys think I'm crazy, but I'm like, I'd rather watch the Yankees game and just let it be yes. Yeah, the Yes Network, actually. Yeah, that's good. The Yes Network, the only, you guys know we're going to buy the Yankees. I'll talk about that some other time. So you guys, you guys can participate, honestly. In fact, I just talked to the guy uh, who, who's getting ready to buy a hockey team. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you put in $1,000 to be an owner of the Yankees and have an owner's match? He raised $386 million like that to buy a hockey team. And so I was talking to him two days ago going, hey, I'm serious about this thing. I'm going to do it. He's like, Mike, he goes, uh, the money will not be a problem. And I was like, that, that's what I think. The, the Yes Network is just valued at $4 billion, the Yankees. So he goes, 4 million people that invest 1000 to be an owner. I'd do it. 
So, yeah, that, wouldn't you? I would too. So uh, the East Coast Jews know how to do it right, man. Wait, wait till we go to the Legend Suites. It's beautiful. It's incredible. It is great. No, it's true. true. That's how he did it. And so he's getting ready to buy a hockey team. I was like, well, shoot, we can go do anything. So that's fun stuff to dream about, isn't it? So that promise is yes. He goes, I give you desires of my heart. So anyway, Hebrews 1, 1, 4. So Hebrews is the crosser over again. But the very first chapter of Hebrews, he says this. God spoke through the fathers and prophets in bits and fragments. Some people say types and shadows. So if you read Ezekiel, if you read Isaiah, if you read the law, you read all these things, it's types and shadows of Jesus, but not the full picture. Does that make sense? But then it says, but the final word or a more perfect word came in Christ Jesus. And so to summarize, it goes, listen, the, the law, the prophets, all, they were pointing to something that they couldn't see accurately. And it was types and shadows. They would get bits, fragments, etc. Um, but now Jesus has spoken and he is the final word of God. So if you're looking at scripture, that's where we were talking the other night. I was like, I'm so tired of, of debating with Christians going, the Bible says this. The Bible says all kinds of crazy things. Um, that you can interpret the wrong way. So even if it's perfect, I'm not going to debate whether it's perfect or not perfect, but it's really kind of funny because if you listen to the book of Job, which is the oldest book in the Bible, by the time you get to Job 42, God speaks up and he goes, hey, everything you've said about me in the first 40 verses is not accurate. (laughs) So God goes, the thing that you're saying about me is not accurate. So what do you do with that? Right? And it... And in there he says, God gives, what's it's, it's talked about all the time. The Lord giveth and he taketh away. And then God goes, no, I didn't say that. That was your interpretation of me. Hey, Moses, I didn't ever tell you to sacrifice. Do you know that's in the scriptures? I hated your burnt offerings and sacrifices. I didn't command you to do it. You thought I was wanted to do that. You thought I was an angry God. You need to appease me with a human sacrifice. Because I'm going to be like every, unlike every other God, and I'm going to die as the sacrifice. I'm going to let you get angry and murder me on the cross, and I'm going to go, I'm not like those guys that need to be appeased. I'm not even mad that you're killing me. I forgive you. Now scriptures start to make sense, right? So anyway, so he's the correct translation. So if you ever can't figure it out, and I can't figure out a lot of them a lot of times, guys, so um, some of you guys are going, well, that's obvious, but... uh, (laughs) But I don't stress about it anymore. I'm almost like, you know what, Lord, Holy Spirit, if I need to know it, tell me about it. Because I know Jesus is the correct interpretation. He's the final word spoken. It says the word of God was made flesh so we could all see what Jesus is really like, what the Father's really like. And that's why you see Jesus even on the Sermon on the Mount. And he goes, you've heard it said. So he's quoting Old Testament prophets, etc. But I say. So he, he, here's just one of them. He says, you heard it said an eye for an eye. Right? But I say, love your enemy. So he's telling them this whole legal system that you put together, I don't agree with it, guys. I'm going to come show you exactly what I was saying is I don't demand a sacrifice. I don't, my judgment, how many of you guys have ever heard the judgment of God? In fact, I was just yesterday, we were getting into it a little bit, and I could tell I was stepping on some religious toes. But, uh, but you know what? The sinners rejoiced and were healed, like physically too. It's like, hallelujah. And there's this gnashing of teeth from religious people going, don't heal on the Sabbath. They didn't say that, but I could tell they're like, I want to condemn them with my good works, and I'm a little bit better than them, so I'm not as bad as a sinner as them. Like, why is it, but why am I so angry? I should be happy this lady's healed, but they aren't. It's really fascinating. So, and I just don't put up with it anymore. I'm like, I don't really care what you, I'm tired of debating that stuff. Let's just exhibit Jesus. You guys cool with that? Because he is the final word. So anyway, and here's the other thing, is uh, I don't, and you can have your own theology on this, but here's what I believe. And the... Uh, here's what scripture says. Scripture says this. 
There's going to be a new covenant. Everybody agree with that? The old one's obsolete. Okay? So if it's obsolete, what are we doing dinking around with it? We shouldn't. No, I know. I'm just saying. But uh, I, I didn't know this till I was, what, 45 or something. I'm like, God, I'm stupid. Uh, I can't believe I didn't know this stuff. And I fell for the religious guys. But you just believe them because they're, they, you're taught from this high. Hey, listen to your elders. And, you know, they must be smarter than you. They, they know every word in the Bible. I go, yeah, but they miss Jesus. So the people who knew the Bible the most typically don't have a very good track record of, of light seeing Jesus. Saul knew the Bible like nobody's business. He said, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees from the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. He actually stoned Stephen, right? And then he saw a great light. The darkness went away, and he could see what it was all about. And then he became the greatest evangelist to the Gentiles there could be. Isn't that cool? Wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But he was the modern-day Hitler at that time. He was killing Christians in the name of God. Isn't that weird? And some of you guys probably don't know this. Who, who, who grew up Lutheran? I won't step on your toes, but we got married in our little Lutheran church. Um, has, have any of you read Martin Luther's Treatise of the Jews? It actually says every Jew should be wiped off the face of the earth. So Hitler was spurned by a Jewish woman, and then he got a hold of Martin Luther's teaching, and he said, you know what? I'm going to do this for God. The religious leaders, guys, are just, they, they poured out their own anger through Scripture, and we don't even know half this stuff. And so that's why I would just challenge a little bit, go and step back and go, does it look like Jesus? If it doesn't look like Jesus, I probably don't have the correct interpretation. I'm not blaming Martin Luther. I, I just, that's just truth. You go, go Google it and go read it. You, you'll be shocked, actually. At least they didn't tell you that in your little Lutheran catechism, did they? <laughs> no, it's just, <laughs> I doubt it. Anyway, let's leave that part out, right? Let's leave that part out. So anyway, uh, and then Calvin, Calvin, I grew up very Calvinist, Dutch Reformed. Calvin was like, hey, anybody who disagrees with me is a heretic and should be killed. Like, that doesn't sound like Jesus either. But uh, that's where we get all of our Reformed theology in the West. Isn't that weird? So we don't have a very good track record. So, but I think this, he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, and all are going to know me, be intimate with me, is literally what it means. Is I'll have knowledge, we have this intimate knowledge of you, and uh, you're not going to need a rabbi to teach you about me because everybody's going to know me. And he goes, I'm going to write my teachings where? Not in a book. Where are they going to write them? On your heart. So I believe he never designed you to, uh, oop, I don't know what that is. It's not mine, so you can leave it there. Yeah. So, I, so, so scriptures are type and shadows. They're fragments. It's not the real thing, right? So if I want to have a marriage relationship with my wife, and intimacy, do you think I'll have more enjoyment reading my book or with her physically, the, the real thing? I think I'll re I'd enjoy the real thing versus reading about her. Now, I'm not opposed to you reading about her, but it's still a type and shadow. Jesus is the word of God. He's the intimacy that we're looking for. He's the love relationship that we're looking for. And he says, I'm going to write my teachings on your heart. So, and if I'm holding up a mirror and I'm seeing myself, what's more real, the reflection or me? This can only reflect what's real about you. So you want the real thing. Follow me? And that's why, uh, uh, that's why people, who a lot of times, and everybody gets to me, don't, I, don't want, I don't want all the emails going, Mike said don't read the Bible, don't go to church, all this stuff. I'm like, no, I think you can do all of that, but if you miss Jesus, you missed it. You missed it. You, Jesus is kind of going, you guys know every word in that book, but you don't know me. Your hearts are far from me. 
So you guys understand that? So I would just challenge you, hey, you know what? Don't feel guilty if you, if you need to. In fact, a lot of people I've said, just put it down for a while and just joy, enjoy being married to him. Let him just pamper you like a bride. Enjoy him. You know, do, do things that you enjoy. Because it says all the earth is a reflection of him and his covenant. And so do things that you enjoy. Because I just see a lot of people getting angry going, God, I don't understand this scripture. I go, well, who cares? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. And if you need to know it, he'll reveal it to you. If not, enjoy yourself. Does that help you guys? So, anyway, I don't want the email saying, Mike said, don't read the Bible. The Bible is just types and shadows. He's the perfection. He's the real thing. He's the substance. Okay? He's a person. That we're married to a person, not this. So I see what happened is we've elevated this above him. So we try to make everything fit perfectly him, and we interpret it wrong. Whereas he goes, and he, he just contradicted Scripture all over the place, right? Now you heard it said this, but I say this. So... You guys are with me on that, right? So if you want, here's, here's what I'd challenge you with is uh, whatever is lovely to you, like is this feeling of love and, and uh, uh, whatever that is, that's God. Whatever you know about love, you know about God because he's perfect love. So if you're not feeling love by going, this stupid scripture, put it down because <laughs> this is the type and shadow. He's the real deal, Okay. And he goes, everybody's going to know me because I'm going to write my teachings on your heart. That's why it's pretty fasting. And we were, I won't get into that. I'll, I'll never read it again. So, all right. So, um, oh, you know what? Let me read this real quick. I was going to read that. But you, can, you can leave it here on this slide. So, out of the mirror translation, um, Hebrews 1, he said, you know, in ancient times, God spoke in fragments and types, etc. cetera. But uh, here, here's how uh, the mirror translation says it. Throughout ancient times, God spoke in many fragments and glimpses of prophetic thought to our fathers. Now this entire conversation has finally dawned in sonship. Suddenly what seemed to be an ancient language falls fresh and new like the dew on the tender grass. He's the sum total of every utterance of God. He is whom the prophets pointed to, and we are his immediate audience. Verse 2, in sonship, God declares the incarnate word to be heir of all things. He is, after all, the author of the ages. We are the beginning. We have our beginning and our being in him. Jesus is the crescendo of God's conversation. He gives context and content to the authentic thought. Everything that God had in mind for mankind is voiced in him. Meaning, if you see Jesus, you see who the Father is. That's what it says. The, the fullness of the Godhead was in a body, Jesus. So whatever you want to know about the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to know about Jesus, whatever you know about the Father is personified in Jesus. So that's where I just go look through scriptures. The only time Jesus gets upset, where his, you see his wrath, his passion. You guys know what wrath actually means? You guys know the Greek word? It's orgy. It's passionate, intense feeling where we get orgasm and orgy and things like that. Um, so his wrath, if something gets between my wife and I, do you think my wrath is going to be poured out on my wife or the thing that gets between my wife? My wrath's going to be, I'm going to eliminate anything that's getting between my wife and I. Right? So guess where he poured out his wrath? On the veil, on the thing that was keeping the bride, you and I, from seeing him perfectly. His wrath was poured out. He was warning Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Listen, until you start learning to forgive, instead of thinking, I'm going to go conquer the Romans, this, this is not going to be pretty. The Romans are going to surround this city and destroy the whole thing. Get out. He was trying to warn them. because Now we say the wrath of God, but the wrath was, I'm, I'm going to eliminate anything that separates me. Did he want them to die? No, he didn't want them to die. He was warning them. And so anyway, I won't get into that, but he, he, listen, Jesus said this. He said, you know what? I didn't come to judge. I came to save. And is he ever going to change? 
No, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this is where people get really scared. They go, well, you know what? Every God is love, but he's also just, and everybody's going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Hallelujah, they're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Because guess who they're going to meet? Christ. And what's he going to say to them? I didn't keep any record of wrong. Where are your accusers? I love you perfectly. He never didn't change. He doesn't change. So that should give you some peace. Because what you said in Jesus, you've seen the Father. And so that's pretty interesting. Because the Father says, I don't, I don't judge anybody. I gave all judgment to my son. And then Jesus goes, I didn't come to judge anybody. I came to save. And then the woman caught in the act of adultery, some of the greatest examples to me, because she's caught, and the Pharisees who know the Bible said, the Bible says we should kill this woman, right? But what do you say, Jesus? The word of God made flesh. And then you know the whole story. He writes on the ground twice. The tablets were written twice. The second set of stones, when the, when the Ten Commandments were written on the temple floor, were they ever broken? No. The second time he wrote on the stones, he goes, don't show these to the people, put them in Christ. So the second set of stones have never been broken, guys, and you're in Christ. That is a head scratcher if you want to get at that one. So you are in Christ and as if you've never broken the stones. And that's who he is today, yesterday, forever. So you're always going to be him. But this I love. Uh, and then verse 4 just says, no prophetic or angelic messenger can compete with him and rank or name. He is the rightful portion. So what he's saying there is... Um, and your King James probably says this is, uh, uh, to whom did he say to the angels that you have this name? But angels, Angelos, is really messenger. So he's talking about in the context of prophets. So he said, our fathers and our prophets spoke before, but they're not as accurate as the true thing. You guys understand that? Because I think we have this idea like, oh, he, you know, they, he made us a little bit lower than the angels and all this kind of stuff. And we get it mixed up. He's saying the, the messengers. So Jesus is a better prophet than the prophets. Jesus is a better king than the kings in the Old Testament. Jesus is a better mediator than the old mediator in the Old Covenant. He's a better interpretation of Scripture. That's all he's trying to say. You guys got it? Okay. All right. Let's keep going. All right. So Jesus, when Jesus comes, that's what said, the law, the types, and the shadows. So I'm not telling you to, to not read the Old Covenant, but if you're going to read it, please understand that it's types and shadows is what Scripture says. If you take it literally, you're going to have some troubles because there's some Scriptures in there that are challenging you know, one of them in Psalms says, uh, uh, God takes pleasure. He basically commands them. He said, go bash all the, the infant son's heads on rocks. And they go, that's in there. Go, that's in there. Does that sound like Jesus? Then we probably don't have the right interpretation of that, do we? So uh, we, that's where it's really scary for me when I hear people teaching out of the Old Testament, Old Covenant lessons. And, I, and all these success guys do it. I'm like, God, man, that's not even what he's talking about. And he's going to screw people up. Lessons from Joshua and all these crazy things. And I'm like, no, they're, they're not the right message. Jesus is the right message. Everything else was a type and shadow. Now, finally, God spoke to us clearly so we could see. So did God ever want us to bash babies' heads against rocks? Of course not. Of course not. That was man's interpretation of God. And he goes, I didn't say that. Jesus is what I say. You guys follow me? So, all right. So Jesus revealed the true love of the Father because they thought God's angry. And what did Jesus do? The only thing he got angry of, his wrath was stirred up against people that were keeping, uh, it says actually the, the, the old covenant law were keeping the truth from people in unrighteousness. So they were teaching the law knowing that this isn't actually accurate. They were keeping people from the truth in unrighteousness. That's a bad deal. So he's probably going to get a little angry about that, right? And he goes, I'm going to remove anything that, so people don't have a distorted view of who I am anymore. 
And Jesus came perfect forgiveness. If you go look at any scripture, to the sinner, to the person who wanted healing, to the person who wanted anything, if they weren't trying to do it based on their own works and just come to him as a, as a loving father, did he always heal? Always. Did he always provide? Always. Did he worry about whether their balance was, their belief was above their unbelief? Never. I see that taught all the time. You know, build your faith. No, you're going to get angry with works is what you're going to do. And then you're going to go, why is this not working? And you're going to start getting guilty and going, I guess my belief is above my, not above my unbelief. And they missed the whole point of that is Jesus still did it. Right? So if it's, and and uh, anyway, so you guys get all that. So, and he's never kept any rhetoric wrong. Isn't that wild? So 1 Corinthians 13, he says, I've never, love, perfect love keeps no record of wrong. Is he, is he perfect love? So when did he keep record of wrong? Never. So Jesus comes to reveal that. I didn't say that. I come to forgive. And so here's what I want you to understand. is uh, This is how most of us were taught. The idea of penal substitution. Now when I listen to it, I'm like, oh man, it's such a terrible doctrine. So penal substitution is this. And some of you guys know it, but uh, God would... Let me know if this sounds like kind of what you were brought up with in catechism and everything else like I was. God's perfect love, but he's just. Right? And man sinned. And he has to have a payment for that sin. But thank God for Jesus, because he's not going to pour out his wrath on us. Whew, he poured it out on Jesus. Now I can trust him again. Is that kind of what everybody... Yep. Right? That is one of the worst doctrines I've ever heard now. Now that I understand it. That was taking pagan thought that God's angry, and if you go against God, the, the greatest way to appease him is human sacrifice. Was God ever angry? How, how could he be angry if he never kept any record of wrong? Right? He's perfect love. Love forgives. So we had this idea that the debt had to be paid. You all have a debt you haven't been able to pay. Isn't that what we've been taught? So let's say, let's, say, uh, uh, let's say, Justin, that I owe you $100,000, but I can't pay it. Right? You, I better pay up. <laughs> Micah comes and pays you hundred grand, So now you're settled, Right? And then you come back to me and you go, Mike, I forgive you. So was, did he forgive my debt or was he paid for the debt? He paid for the debt. See how we've mixed it? Like there's a debt we couldn't pay, so Jesus had to pay the debt. Now I forgive you and I'm happy with you again. No, Jesus forgives debts. He forgives. You know, and I see all these scriptures of people running around with this like, hey, leave no debt out outstanding and we think it's pay off your credit card. I'm not opposed to that, but that's not what it's talking about. Is it, what it literally means is don't keep anything against them. Don't have them repay it. Forgive it. Keep no pay. I, God's way is you think I deserve payment and my debts need to be paid. I forgive unconditionally. Isn't that what Jesus did? I forgive. So if we get all these scriptures twisted up and we create these theologies out of them. And uh, he just forgives unconditionally. So we have this idea that God was love, but he's just, and he can't just forgive sin. Why not? He's God. He can do whatever he wants. And Jesus said, I don't come to keep judgment, I forgive. So that's what he came to demonstrate. He goes, you guys think that he's a rule keeper and a legalist. He just forgives debt. In fact, when you sit at the judgment seat of Christ, his judgment, you'll go look always in scriptures, my judgment is forgiveness and mercy and innocence. So if you stand before them guilty, before, if you stand before Jesus Christ guilty, what's, his, what's he going to say? I'm so glad you came to my courtroom because my justice is not guilty. 
I forgive all debts. Is that cool? That is cool if you understand it. So anyway, he, gave, he came to forgive sins, not appease the anger of his father. Not appease, well, they wouldn't call him father. They would have killed him if they called him father. Not appease the anger of God. So his justice is always mercy and forgiveness. He forgives freely. That's what scripture constantly says, but I think we've gotten all these doctrines wound up and we can't even think straight anymore. So I, I remember when I just heard Andre Robbie give that analogy, like somebody had 100,000 and then they paid it and then the guy comes back and goes, okay, it's okay now, Mike, I, I forgive you. But that's what we've been teaching in Christianity. That's what we've been teaching with the Father and Jesus. But scripture says this, God was in Christ, they were never separated. God was in Christ reconciling the creation to himself. And then Paul's writing this and then he says, so in God's eyes, the creation's been reconciled. He's removed sin as far as the east is from the west. When Jesus sees John the Baptist, does he say, I removed the sin of the believer and people who accepted me into their heart? He says, I came while you were still dead in sin, and God was in me, not separated. I was on the cross. The Holy Spirit was on the cross. Jesus was on the cross to reconcile creation. And then Paul pleads, so be reconciled. Does that make sense? So he says, hey, you're reconciled, so act like it. Not accept him into your heart to be reconciled. He goes, no, you are reconciled, so be. be start eating from the I am tree versus the I am not. Because I still, I still think we, we still have this. Is, uh, and I was joking about the other day, too. As I said, if I, again, if I want to propose a marriage covenant with my wife, I don't go, sweetie, I, you know what? I think uh, God really wants us to, to I, I love you with all my heart. And um, so here's the deal. Here's, here's how you should respond to me. Get down on your knees. Close your eyes. All heads bowed. Repeat after me. It's kind of a weird marriage proposal, isn't it? I said, but let me tell you something. If you don't respond correctly, I'm going to torture you forever. That sounds like what we've been taught, doesn't it? Does that sound like pure love? So here's the gospel, guys, is share what Jesus has already done and let him woo them. I don't have to tell them to respond. It's the worst way to do it. Just love people unconditionally. Let his love, that they can start to feel him, that he loves them, and they will respond accurately. I don't need to go repeat after me, because I did all that. I said, hey, I stood up here and repeat after me, and uh, I just remember we were talking about this at the table at our house on Wednesday night ago. I just felt like nothing. This is it? This is what you get fired up about? I just said the magic words, and I don't, know anything. I don't feel loved. I don't feel like, I kind of feel like, uh, when can I leave? Um, this is uncomfortable. This is awkward because I thought it would be really cool. Well, here's the deal, Mike. Here's what you really need. You, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit now because that's where everything's at. Okay. So you need water baptism. When you were little, the sprinkling didn't work. So you need to get full dunk. So we're all fired up. Yeah, we're going doing this thing. Full dunk, right? And honestly, both of us afterwards, we're like, Everybody's playing, bands playing. Yay, they're baptized. I remember again, I was like, that was it? You guys were fired up about that? That's kind of weird. Uh, where's the Yankees game? I get more enjoyment out of that. I had nothing happened. And then they're like, no, no, no. No, it, you, once you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, now you can pray in tongues. That's where everything starts. So we did that. Sometimes he just gives you one syllable, so just go da. Da, da. Anybody watching me? God, I hope my friends from home aren't watching. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that's it. Yay! I'm like, I don't feel anything. I tell you when I felt something, when I heard a message that 
How would you feel if you knew that every sin you're ever going to commit has already been paid for? You're free. He'll never judge you for anything you've done. And all he does is love you and bless you for the rest of your life. That blew up in my life. It's like, that is it. So again, don't send me nasty emails. Pray in tongues. Do all these things. But if you miss everything, if you miss his love, he wanted intimate relationship was everything. And again, if I wanted to talk to my wife, I'm not going to talk to her in a language she doesn't understand. I'm not going to go, here, sweetie, this is how I can really show you how I love you. Duh, 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 duh. Do your thing. But here's what I know. Even when it says when they're praying in tongues, it says this. It says, they heard them saying the wonderful works of God, and they got excited about the gospel. So it says, unless they know love, it's not worth anything. So I get the gifts edify, and I, I'm not denying any of that. But would she, at the end of the day, rather have my gifts or my intimacy? The gifts of the Spirit. The Spirit is my intimacy, is what he said. And yeah, I love you, so I've given you these gifts to, to enjoy it. It's not supposed to confuse you. It's supposed to add to my love to you as gifts. You guys follow me? So you got to know the gospel that you're in this deal. He, he reconciled you. He's forgiven you forever. And all he's going to do is bless. Every promise is yes and amen. That should give you hope. That should give you hope because you go, I don't care what situation you're in, whether it's financial, marriage, lack of joy. I don't really care. Depression, schizophrenia. I don't really care. My promise is yes to you. That's what he wanted to give us assurance of. And almost all the, the doctrines that I heard take it away. They start taking it away. Where, well, sometimes he doesn't answer prayer. No, that's not what it says. It says, you know what? If I can be enveloped by the answer, anything I ask, I'm given so that my joy may be full. I want her to be joyful, right? And all you guys know that. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. If you come in the house, you can feel if something's up, right? Like, what's up? Not a lot of joy right now. Am I the only one that ever felt that? <laughs> you go, what? I, 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 what did I do? I've only been home for five seconds, right? We can tell, don't we? But when there's joy, how do we feel? Man, there's intimacy. There's nothing separating us. There's joy. So that's what he wants. That's what I'm trying to get at you, is he's done everything so you can enjoy him, to be intimate as a relationship with him. And uh, it doesn't come by religious gymnastics. It comes just because he loves, just because he forgives, just because that's who he is. Is that cool? So enjoy him. So anyway, what did I put? I'm not even talking about my slides. So anyway, oh, so the better covenant is yes and amen. So all the promises are yes and amen. So the old covenant, and, uh, and just be careful, guys. Just be careful, because I, I talked to my friend Vicky, right? You know Vicky. So I'm not going to say what she was talking about. But uh, it's like, well, this book and this guy said this, and, and if I'm doing this and, and a good steward this, I, I shouldn't be a bad steward of what's God given me and all that. And, you know, once I'm a good steward, then I'll be blessed. I go, that's absolutely false. That every promise is not if you do. That's old covenant thinking. I know that sounds good, right? But what's the new covenant message? It's yes. It's not conditional, guys. It's not conditional. Now, I'm not telling you not to be a good steward, but he doesn't withhold blessing from not being a good steward. Did he, did he withhold blessing from the prodigal son? That blew everything. What was his answer? Fired up, my son's back. You didn't lose anything. Who's the only guy who didn't participate in the blessings? The guy who thought he had to earn it. The guy who's writing the book going, you got to be a good steward. I hate it. These, these people are getting rich teaching the wrong thing because they're putting people under condemnation. I hate it. Every promise is yes and amen. Every promise is yes and amen. Otherwise, it's not a better covenant or a better promise. It sounds like old covenant. If you do this, if you diligently hearken, you ever heard that? Well, go back to where you hear, heard him last. I can't hear him. If I knew where I heard him last, then I would do it. Trust me. Well, the reason this is going on in your life is because you can't hear him. 
Is that a condition or lack of condition for him to bless me? No, it sounds like old covenant. If you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord, then I'll bless you. No, new covenant is I just bless. You're my people and I bless. You guys getting it? It's radically good, that's, but that's why people reject it. Man's efforts always is going, no, you need to do this, you need to do this. And all it is is people that have a little more discipline or willpower in that area, and they get boastful. Look at, I did all this stuff, because I'm a little more disciplined than you. I go, yeah, but you're probably going to blow up at some time, and you're going to wish you had mercy and grace. You might have that area going on, but there's going to be, and every one of us are going to need his mercy and grace, guys, every single one of us. And we're going to be thankful that we weren't judgmental to others, Right? Because it's, it's not as fun to, to forgive people when they go, that little hypocritical turd. Is it? At least, not, at least not for me. Sorry, I'm just being honest. So I have to go, wait a minute, Lord, what would Jesus do? Oh, yeah, my wrist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's hard, isn't it? Because, so, hey, we're very graceful. We're very forgiving. But it's not fun for us when we see people acting more proud than you, is it? What do we really want? So, so David, King David, you guys have all heard this, right? God's, David was a man after God's own heart. Ever heard that? Think about this now. Barbara and I talk about this all the time. Um, so you guys know the whole story with Bathsheba, right? And then he tried to cover it up. And what did he do? Killed Uriah, right? Her husband. And here's what's really crazy. Scripture says, David, if you just wanted another wife, you could ask me and I would have given you another one. What do you do with that if you're going to teach the Bible as inerrant? That's kind of weird, isn't it? So David was a man after God's own heart. And the Bible says that if he wanted another wife, he could just have one. Kathleen, are you okay with that? No. <laughs> I don't think smart is either, right? But isn't that weird? See, we don't, we don't go through these things. And we go, so what did he mean? What, does he, what did David mean? Or what did the scriptures mean when David has a heart of God? I'll tell you what it means. David said this, when he, when he uh, messed up with Bathsheba, when he killed Uriah to cover it up, here's what David said. God, if you wanted a burnt, if you wanted a sacrifice or a burnt offering, because that, that was the prescribed method under the law, wasn't it? If you messed up, what do you do? You bring a lamb, you bring a sacrifice. And David, who's a man after God's own heart, says, God, if you really wanted a lamb, if you really wanted a burnt offering, I would have given it to you, but I know you take no pleasure in that. You want a contrite heart. He wanted our heart, guys. He wanted, the, the, he wanted everything here. You guys get it? God's like, I'm not, I don't, David, I'm not going to require a sacrifice, etc. I, I want your heart to change. I'm after you. I'm after your heart. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. So David set up the tabernacle of David and didn't have sacrifice to go in. So while the Hebrew temple was going on, where they were sacrificing daily, the high priests were doing their thing, and uh, none of us could go in unless you were Jewish, right? And then ladies, you couldn't even go in. Um, but then the high priest was the only one that could experience Jesus' presence ever, once a year. But David's a man after God's own heart, so he establishes the tabernacle of David, and there were only three sides of tents. You could go boldly to the throne, Jew, Gentile, didn't matter. All there was was worship, no sacrifice. How cool is that? Right? So the, the high priests over here are afraid to even step in without all these sacrifices. David goes, come on in, boys. Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter. He doesn't require sacrifice, just worship at the throne. That's why he's a man after God's own heart. He understood God doesn't like sacrifice. That's not who he is. He's perfect love and forgiveness. 
and he just blesses. You guys following me so far? Okay, all right. So uh, that's why the new and better covenant are not yes, are not if, then. If you do this, then this. I'm not saying any of that's bad, but it all comes from the inside out. So the, the new covenant is this. When you know you're loved, there's not a commandment to love until you know you're loved. It says when you know you're loved, it'll flow out of you and you'll love. Right? When you know you're prosperous, what flows out of you? Prosperity. So it's not external things to get my prosperity. It's when I know that he's already done it for me, then I prosper. When I know that he's already forgiven me, then it's a lot easier for me to forgive. When I know that I don't have to do any of the rules, I enjoy it because it's out of love. It's not a commandment to do. That's where grace is the teacher that teaches you to die in godliness. So it's not you run around and do whatever you want. It's forgiveness. It's love, and you, it, it rules you. Follow me? All right, let's go to this last slide, and we'll be, we'll be out of here. So, All right. I just want to show you in Scripture it actually says it. So 2 Corinthians 1.18, but, uh, but as surely as God is faithful, our message is God faithful. So in the same way that God is faithful, our message is not yes and no. Yeah, I always have to look at that one because Paul does a lot of comparisons. He always like, even, even, even like, or in the same way, right? So Paul always does this. If this is true, then this is much more true. So he goes, if God is faithful, and we all go, yes. As surely as God is faithful, so he's putting equivalence there, right? As surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. Almost all success teaching I have is yes and no that I've, that I've heard from men. If you do this, then it's yes. It's yes. Yeah, but I don't do all those things. Hallelujah, man. It's yes. You get it when you sleep. You get it when you change your heart. Then it just comes. It's a beautiful thing, right? And I, I, I struggle with, I'm like, can you read your thing? All these Christian authors are like, read your thing. You're, right, you're writing the wrong stuff. You're putting people in bondage, but you're boasting about your stuff. You're getting rich off other people, teaching them the wrong thing. I hate it. Jesus would just, he would rip that stuff up. He was like, no, I'm for the lost, I'm for the lame, I'm for the people who can't do it, I just freely give it to them. Isn't that cool? I think it's cool. So, if you want to work for it, good luck, man. You're going to get ulcers. So, and you know what? Other parts of your life are going to struggle. You're going to get angry in other parts of your life, whether it's marriage or whatever. It's like, just enjoy him, man. Let him give it to you for free. You're his son. That doesn't mean you're lazy. In fact, you'll be inspired to do, but you won't base your efforts and everything based on your doing. You'll base it on his goodness and promises. So then you just know that it's going to work. How do you know? I don't know. I just know. Right? So, anyway. Then you can eat a hot dog and not stress because it's got something in it. It's like, relax. It's not that difficult. <laughs> so, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silas, Timothy, was not yes and no. You see what he's saying? If then, if you do this, it's just yes. So, by me and Silas, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the so be it, the amen, has spoken to us by the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in the anointing. Christ means the anointing. He makes us stand in the anointing. You don't have to come touch the man of God to get the anointing, right? Or so into the anointing. He makes you stand in it. You're in it. You can't get more, any more anointed than you are. Follow me? Man, we did all that crazy stuff. Yeah, and I'm like, you know what? And then you realize that just everything around it is just a mess, Tim, right? When you get behind the veil, it's not real pretty. So now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in the anointing. He anointed us. 
He anointed us. Can you get any clearer? He anointed us. Well, how come I'm not experiencing it? Because you still think you need to go get it from somebody. You still think you need to know more scripture. He goes, no, I'm the scripture and you're in me. I'm the true word of scripture and you're in me and every promise is yes, amen. It's yours. You're a son. You already own it. You guys get it? All right, you can stand to your feet because I'll get worked up. So he set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. What's to come? The resurrected body, the glorified body. So the... I don't care what there's, and Paul clearly writes about this in Romans 8. He goes, listen, there's nothing that'll separate you from my love. So I don't care what it looks like. If you're going through hard times financially, if, you've, if, uh, if there's deaths, if there's breakups in marriages, relationships, etc., the promise is still yes. I guarantee you, you're going to experience life. Nothing separates me from you. So don't look at what's going on in your life and get discouraged and go, it must be if then. Why, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to do? Because then that, that must be why this is happening. No, you can have hope like never before, guys, because the promise is yes to you. So don't look at what's going on in your life. Look at the promise that's yes, because he loves me unconditionally and he freely gives it to me. Follow me? So if you need healing, what's the answer? Yes. It's not change your diet, all these different things. It's just yes. It's yes. I'm not saying... It's just yes. Does that make sense? I know I'm stepping on toes, man, but the most organic apple in the world caused disease. <laughs> Did the apple cause it? It's still not causing it today. What caused it? The heart. Guard your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. How much life you're going to experience is what you believe about yourself. Do you believe you're perfectly loved? You're completing Christ. You're completing Christ. No, your iron's low. No, I'm completing Christ. Might be low for you. It's complete. I'm using that example because it's easy. Because everybody's running around the Whole Foods trying to find life in food, and they can't. So, he set his seal of ownership, guaranteeing that you're going to experience life. Amen. So, if you need anything, guys, it's really just how much does he love me? Do you know you're perfectly forgiven? Do you know he loves you radically? Nothing separates you from your love. And any promise you're going to need, let him do it. Just let him birth it in your heart. Go, you know what, Lord, I'm struggling with this. It's okay. It's okay to be honest with them because I think a lot of people don't dare because I'm trying to build my faith. No, you're not. You're crying in bed. And he doesn't want that. He goes, I want your joy to be full. If you could just learn to trust me that I love you perfectly, there's nothing keeping you from me. Nothing is, will ever be able to separate you from me. I'm your husband and you're in me and I'm a good one and I provide freely. Amen? So Father, if they need healing, just heal them. Your answer is yes, always. Just heal their heart and their minds more than anything because they think of something they've done, why, why they're experiencing this, why they're experiencing lack of health, why they're experiencing business failure, why they're experiencing anything. It's not because they're, you're doing anything to teach them. Your answer is always yes. That didn't come from you. So just heal their heart. Just let them know that they can trust you, that you're a good dad. You love them unconditionally. Nothing separates you. Father, heal them supernaturally. Just go through every fiber in their body, every atom in their body, in their nervous system, in their minds. Just heal them freely. That's what you do. As their heart heals, just heal them freely. Father, thank you. You provide abundantly. You just provide abundantly. It's, it's yes, is what you said. That was one of the promises, and every promise is yes and amen. So we just thank you for that, Father. Just thank you to remove any darkness, any wrong teachings, any strongholds, that they've believed a lie about themselves or for God and just replace it with your love and light. So they can experience you. They can experience joy. 
Because your word scripture says you're a daddy, you're an Abba, you're a father. And if we require anything, we can be enveloped by the answer. We can feel as if it's already done and we shall have it so that our joy may be full. You've provided everything. And you've given us the ability to, to co-create with you and procure it. We just say thank you for that. In Jesus' magnificent name. So if you need prayer, guys, uh, come on up. Um, but just, you know, through the week, just meditate on that going, it's yes. Things are going to look up. You, hope just means the confident expectation of good. And God's hope is not like our hope where we're like, oh, I hope this works. His hope is it's going to work because I promise it'll work. Does that make sense? So even if you're not seeing it now, it will work. You will experience it. Praise God. That's what you start focusing on. You're blessed in Jesus' name.